You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are in the second to last week of our sermon series uh, called The Penultimate Week, the second to last. What I wish I would have known sooner, we're going through this book of 1 Timothy as Paul's passing on wisdom. I'm going to get to that in a second. Today's lesson is how to be rich, which I don't know if you know, but that's something that a lot of us want to do. Um, My kids have watched a lot of YouTube videos, and my daughter, who just turned eight years old, came up to me this last week and said, Dad, can we get a Lambo? Which I don't know if you know, but that's this right here. Uh, there's something about YouTube that is um, cor- corroding our children's minds into thinking that they can just yeah, they get Lambos. Lambos all the time. And I go, Junia, that car's like 250 grand, and she's like, "Well, that's how much a house cost. It's a quarter yeah. million. What's a? Qu- we should just sell our house and get this it. car. What's a quarter million bucks, we Dad? Live in this two-seater sports car. So as you can tell, my kids have no idea of the concept <laughs> of money. All the time, they're like, "It's broken. It's just 20 bucks," and I'm like, "20 bucks? Are you kidding me?" So I feel like I'm getting older by the day. And part of my job as with my as a parent is to teach my kids uh, the value of money and how money works and how they got to operate the system but it was alarming to me when my daughter wanted a lambo i need a new whip dad can i get a lambo (laughs) give me one of those guineas baby um saint paul sent his disciple timothy to address some problems in the church and as an older man he's passing on uh, his training and his wisdom to not only the church but to timothy his protege his disciple and paul today is teaching us about how to be rich without putting another penny in the bank He's got a bunch of verses here, actually. We're going to read them. Some of them are harsher than others, but a lot of them is really good wisdom about how we can live our life in Jesus and how to be truly rich, according to St. Paul, um, without needing Lamborghinis and adding more money and all that stuff. It begins this way. We're doing 1 Timothy 6. We're going to be jumping around a little bit in this passage, but it begins this way. He says, actually, godliness is a great source of profit when it is combined with being happy with what you already have. The NIV says it this way, godliness with contentment is great gain. So today we're going to be talking about what it means to be truly rich, at least from Paul's perspective, as one of the I know, greatest missionaries, greatest disciples of Jesus mm-hmm. who've ever lived. He's going to teach us about the value of true riches. But here's my question for you all before we get started. Uh, when you were a kid, what was something that you thought rich people had that you maybe you have now, or you wanted, or you thought that was maybe the height of luxury. I don't know if anyone's got an answer. Go for it. I'm thinking maybe pool. A, a pool? pool? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I definitely have one now. You were like, I definitely don't <laughs> consider myself rich, but we have one now. We have a pool. <laughs> yeah. If people only knew how much work it was, like I'm not complaining. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad to have it, but I spend a lot of time on this. Yeah, we got a swamp right now. Thinking I'm like about so it. bummed. Yeah, th- two weeks ago it was blue as like the sky. If you grew so. up with with somebody who had a clear pool all the time, you need to write them a note right now and thank them for all the hard work they did. Shout out to Legit. Gary Rayom. Gary Rayom, thank you. Dude, yeah, he and made it seem we, A lot of us were blessed by that <laughs> pool, and that's a heck of a lot of work. So, amen on that. Matt, you got one for us? Uh, yeah, mine w- that I was thinking of because I was yesterday I was cooking up steak. 
And I just, I mean, we were a hamburgers and hot dogs family, so I thought people who ate steak, I was like, dang, okay, bala. <laughs> when I when I started realizing, you know, since I've been on keto, I started realizing, like, steak is cheaper than McDonald's. Like, I could get a big old, like, I mean, maybe not the best cut, but, like, I could get a good steak for less than it costs to go out to lunch. Sometimes like, less than hamburger now, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. like, steak was my yeah. example. And... I'm still not the biggest steak guy in the world, but it's still cheaper than going out. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Mine was water in the refrigerator. I always thought those people, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where they got water and ice in them. My grandma had that, and she was like the richest person I knew. Yeah. And I like was like, cold, ice cold water? Water coming out of the refrigerator? Ice on demand? <laughs> I don't got to fill up ice trays? Like, it was oh, a yeah. next level. It, it might have been luxury when I was a kid, too. I still want that. But um, now that I have it, I'm like, I'm going to drink so much water, and then I'm like... Soda. <laughs> Do they make one with like a Coke Zero tap in the fridge? I think we could figure you know that out. I mean? Like, let's get that going. Uh, today, we usually do the head, heart, and hands, but I just found in reading this a couple ways. I'm going to do three today, three ways to be truly rich based on the passages that we're going to read. Paul, again, passing on wisdom to Timothy. Our story comes from uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Some of that first part, there's the dangers of seeking after monetary riches. And then 16 through 18 is some more wisdom about riches. So let's jump into the first half of this. We already read this verse. Actually, Paul says, godliness is a great source of profit when it is combined with contentment or being happy with what you already have. We didn't bring anything into this world, and so we can't take anything out of it. I didn't know, don't know if you know, but the first time I read that, I was like, that's from the Bible? Because my mom yeah. used to say that. Yeah. She also used to say, I brought you into this world and I, take and you I will take you out of there, take you out. I could take you out of it. But uh, yeah, we didn't bring anything in. We can't take anything out. That's Bible. That's Bible verse for you. We'll be happy with food and clothing, Paul says. But people who are trying to get rich fall into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful passions that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It has been shortened, you know, the love of money is the root of evil, but it really is the love of money, root of all kinds of evil. Some have wandered away from the faith and have impaled themselves with a lot of pain because they made money their goal. But as for you, man of God, person of God, run away from all these things. Instead, pursue righteousness, holy living, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness. We see what Paul is getting at, that pursuing monetary riches is a way that our souls can be damaged. And so one of the wisdom he gives us to be truly rich is learn to live into what you're grateful for right now. Learn to live into your gratitude right now. He says over and over again, contentment, contentment, being happy. If we have food and clothes, we'll be happy. Sometimes, I don't know about you, you walk into your closet or you see your closet and you have clothes and you go, I have nothing to wear. I don't know. Does that, is that anybody else? Like a closet full of clothes, like bursting at the seams, dressers. It really, sometimes it's just shirts that I won't give up that don't fit. But sometimes <laughs> it's like, I have nothing to wear. And I think sometimes that is at the heart of not being grateful uh, for what we already have, right? Or like if, Netflix, there's just nothing to watch there's on Netflix. nothing And it's like, watch. there's 10 million shows. <laughs> uh, nothing to watch. Uh, yeah, absolutely. By the time we figure out what we're going to watch, it's time to go to bed. It's like in the 80s, it's like whatever's uh, on TV, Channel 4 at 7 p.m., <laughs> that's what you're watching. And now it's like, I, there's nothing to watch. Um, sometimes walk into your kitchen, right, and be like, I need this remodeled. I need something different here. Like, 
And instead of leaning to the gratitude of what you have, we're constantly thinking about more, different, getting something else. Um, cars, man, I'm driving my 2001 Honda Odyssey, and there's days where I'm like a little bit embarrassed. There's days where oh. I'm like, I'm going to drive this thing into the ground. you got to own that. There's days where I'm like, I should just get something different. Drive the wheels off. Um, and when it messes up at all, or I have to put any money into it, oh, I'm yeah. like, would this? Would someone please steal this? Yeah, <laughs> I'll leave my keys in. <laughs> the door cracked a little bit. Maybe I get <laughs> stolen. But sometimes I do this with my car, right? Of like not being content with what I have. It gets me from A to B. It does what it needs to do. Has enough room for all my kids. But sometimes there's just this this idea. I don't know what it is. Commercials, our culture, something is just implanted in me that I need something else. I Your need daughter something telling you you need a Lambo. <laughs> I need more. That might have something to do with it. Lambo just I just park it right on the grass. Hey, Lamb- <laughs> Lamborghini dealership, what's the trade-in value of a 2001 Honda Odyssey? How close can it get me? You have to pay us $100 to take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a clip I was thinking about. Uh, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. It's the sequel, I think, to the one from the 80s. It's Shia LaBeouf is Green in is this, and, um, and Josh Brolin is in this. And what's happening is he's kind of a- – He's asking a question of what's your number, and Josh Brolin thinks it's about a salary, a starting salary, but that's not what, what Shia LaBeouf is looking at. Would you uh, watch this video clip with us, The Wall Street? What's your number? Sorry? Oh, we'd start you at 300 like everybody else. I mean, as a partner, I only pull in 600, and the bonus is... No, no, no. Your number. The amount of money you would need to just walk away from it and live. See, I find that everybody has a number, and it's usually an exact number. So what is yours? More. More. Dang. More. Says it so precisely, concisely, I think. Uh, and, and I'm right. They, these guys are, like, not portrayed as good guys. No. But I think that attitude is buried in us. That sometimes the enemy of what we uh, have, the enemy of our contentment, is this desire for more. It's the desire for something else. It's the desire to get uh, whatever our neighbors have or whatever culture tells us we have need to have to be happy. Some of the richest people are always getting more, but they never have enough, right? They're mm-hmm. never content. And yep. Paul's number, right, based on this video, <laughs> what's Paul's number? Paul's number is enough. Right. Being content with what he had, as long as we have food and clothing, he says, we, we're happy. And he'll even go on to say in Philippians chapter four, he says, even hungry or uh, hungry or fed, he says, I've learned the secret of being content. And so this is the wisdom he's speaking out of is, is how to be content right here, right now. And this is how we could become truly rich. He had what he needed most of the time, and he was grateful for what he had all the time. Living into this gratitude is wealth. It's what I wish I would have known about wealth, about what it means to be wealthy. It's being truly rich. Greed, Paul tells us later in a different book, Ephesians 5, is idolatry, right? It's, it's worshiping things to, to, to make us safe or saved or happy or healthy or have peace. And for him, gratitude is the antidote to that greed. My question for you all, what specific practices of gratitude do you do? I don't know if you have anything specific, but talk to me about your gratitude practices. It's so funny that you just mentioned uh, greed and, uh, you know, the roots of all kinds of evil uh, being money. Because in that Wall Street, in the first one, right, the famous line is Gordon Gekko says, greed is good. Mm -hmm. 
because uh, you know, and then you just find out it's like, a drive to get more. What right, a villain he is, um, and so um, for me, I think it's just the language, the internal language. Um, uh, I couldn't think of like specific like things I do with my hands, but just like the language that I use when I talk to myself, my self-talk. And just that attitude of gratitude, attitude of gratitude. In fact, I talk about it a lot at school with the kids. I'm just like, especially nowadays, I'm just like, you know what? And if you see mom or dad in the room with you, just give them a big thanks because you know, give them a thumbs up and uh, you're doing a great job because, um, you know, I think kids really struggle with gratitude. It's always yeah. like, yeah. Uh, well, I, can I have this? And how come I didn't get this? And and so, uh, I mean, they're little mirrors, you know, but they're just a little bit more transparent about it because uh, I think we all struggle with uh, enoughness. And so just being thankful for what we have of just like yeah. that. that So the language of just like I, I know it's an old, dumb, like kind of preacher's thing from the 90s, you know, an having an attitude of gratitude. But uh, I use that phrase yeah. frequently in like my a, brain. Like a mantra. Just to yeah. Kind of, yeah. You got anything for us, Pastor Miranda? <laughs> yeah, I think two things that come to mind for me. Uh, one, it's uh, actually usually more my sister when we're spending time together, when we're having dinner together and stuff. Uh, but the Franklin family and I and my family will do this. Um, uh, what are you thankful for? Like, we'll go around. Usually, like, as we're eating dinner, so it's not, yeah. like, grace before dinner. Yeah. But it's the conversation that we have with dinner. What are you grateful for um, today? And that's really fun. And it's yeah. really fun to hear, like, what the kids have to say because, yeah, what you were saying. We get a lot of, like, why can't I have this? Or so-and-so had that, you know, whatever. So to hear what um, what they are feeling it they're grateful for is really um, uplifting. Also, in the past year, um, with my hands, because I'm definitely an Enneagram 3 doer, um, is just being more intentional about about what I have and not, I don't, mm. I don't know how to say this without sounding like super materialistic or whatever, but being grateful for the things that I have and being more intentional about them. So like even our, even our house, like it, I wasn't really good about like mowing our lawn, about watering my garden, about like, mm. you know, taking down the cobwebs and things like that. Um, because we were just, we were super busy and, and I just, and I wasn't grateful for what, for what we had, but in the past, I would say three years, just being really intentional when we bought this house here in Thermalito, uh, that we were, that we were going to love it, that we were going to, um, w that w it was going to be our home and we were going to be grateful for the things that we had and yeah. you know, we built a barn on it and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that attitude of gratitude and just being thankful and grateful and, and taking care of, of the things that Love you it. have. Yeah. Absolutely. Like in your number one, it's like, why do we save that just for Thanksgiving? Like that's a great practice. And then like you're saying it with Marie Kondo, she's that Japanese like organization lady who's like trying to help you pare down your stuff. It, um, it's not a spiritual angle, but it kind of is because she's like, you you take an item and when you're ready to donate it or get rid of it, you you thank it for its usefulness, and it's just like kind of obviously you're not gonna like you, it, like the shirt doesn't care if you're great <laughs> like grateful to it, but it's like having a posturing of just like yeah, uh, I'm grateful for what I have yeah. or what I've had. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because as I was thinking that I was like, where did that come from? 
because it wasn't just like an internal change and like I woke up one day, oh, I'm so grateful for all I had. But Erin had done a sermon uh, uh, back in our Hofbrau days and she was talking about that book, uh, The Life Changing, Magic something about of yeah, tidying, uh, tidying Up, up Your House. Yeah. yeah. And I bought that book and oh we yeah. did totally, I Marie Kondoed <laughs> our, uh, our closet, awesome. but it did I help me change that. my perspective on being more uh, grateful, intentional, and joyful about the things things that I have and letting stuff go. So Love awesome. it. I think uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is use the language of enough more. So I asked my kids, do you have enough, right? Especially at bedtime. And I'm not just talking about stuff. Um, I'm talking about, you know, love or uh, affection, you know, just like, do you have enough? Are you getting enough? And so that's some of the language. Uh, so one of the things I'm doing is trying to change my language to enoughness. Enough. I like that. Um, Shauna says that she writes a gratitude journal. She's done it for like, a long time. She's looking at gratitude. Yeah, go I shout out that. to Shauna who who's been practicing gratitude for for a really long time. An example for sure. Uh, point number two. Uh, what's the second way Paul tells us? He he goes on here. He says uh, seventeen and eighteen. Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good to be rich in the good things they do, and to be generous and to share with others. Paul wants us to give stuff away. There's this idea, sharing stuff, to be rich in good things that you do. I don't know if that's me, who that is, but, um, and to be generous. So there's generous sharing, to be rich in the good things. Something about being wealthy in a spiritual sense comes from our ability to give, to give stuff away. Um, but he starts off, right? What does he start off by saying? Tell people who are rich. And you're probably like me, and you're like, I ain't, I ain't rich. That ain't me. So this is some talking to somebody else. Just to throw some stuff out there. You're American. Car bro. ownership. If you own a car, you are in the top 18% of people in the world, Boom. right? U.S. Uh, News and Report, uh, World Report, said that Americans generally want they, they think they'll be happy when they have double what they already have. And so there's this idea that, like, we think happiness is, is twice as far away from where we currently are. Um, but just the amount of money that we have and the possessions and the, the bigness of our homes and the bigness of our cars. I mean, not even talking about car ownership, just the bigness of our cars. This puts us in the top percent in the whole world. There are people, I think half the world's population, 3.5, 3.7 billion people, who live on $3 a day, right, and I, uh, I'm guilty of sometimes spending that much on coffee, right, a day. Not anymore. I make cold brew. But you know Two what I'm saying. Two days worth of coffee. <laughs> Two days. <laughs> but there's this idea in which, uh, from a world standpoint, Paul is talking to us. You can tell by the things that make you mad, right? Like um, when your food takes too long in the Taco Bell drive-thru, you're like, I'm getting instant access to some of the fattiest, saltiest, most delicious food in human history. I mean, your ancestors... You've you've had more <laughs> access to Doritos Locos tacos than all of your ancestors combined. That's a true fact. Um, but it, sometimes it makes us mad, right? Of like it takes too long, or when Netflix is is buffering too oh long. Oh my goodness! I mean, remember oh from when we were kids to now? Does it feel like Netflix. the internet's slower since the pandemic? Yes. Comcast increase the speeds. <laughs> Uh, but it makes you mad, right? When it's like it takes an extra 10 seconds to start. I want access to the wealth of human knowledge uh, faster. Also, how come the ads on Netflix are like scare me half to death? <laughs> Those don't buffer at all, but then you click on it and it buffers all day. 
Um, but you could tell by the stuff that just irritates you uh, where you are in the world as far as standing go. Paul is definitely talking to us in this sense. And what he wants you to know is that if, if you want to be truly rich, it's time to give some stuff away. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's all kinds of stuff. Sometimes that means giving money away to organizations that are making a difference, not only in our own community, but in the world. Uh, my own family gives to, we have missionaries that we give to. We sponsor some children. In India, uh, we give money to organizations around here. Uh, we often take our tithe at the end of the year and give to our church home, which is something that we encourage you to do. Take 10%, put that as something that we want to give to organizations in, in our around us because we want to make a difference but it could also be other things right like time sometimes it's our privilege or it's access we are have access to places that not everybody has and helping other people get there uh, is part of that um gifts and talents right what 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 things are you good at what things do you excel at and how can you pass that on to people why does this make us rich in paul's eyes acts 20 jesus tells us well Somebody's talking and they quote Jesus. And everything I have shown you that, and everything I've shown you that, by working hard, we must help the weak. In this way, we remember the Lord Jesus' words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I know you've heard that phrase before. Usually your parents have said that to you when you were a kid at Christmas time and you're complaining about not getting enough presents. But this is a saying of Jesus that we get later outside of Acts 20, and it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know it. We know the saying, but I don't know if sometimes we've internalized that, um, that idea. But w- Paul is playing on that principle, that if you want to be truly wealthy, you got to give some stuff away. Because it might be helpful to those people that you've given it to, but it is going to do something in your soul to help you connect with Jesus in a deeper way to make your life ultimately more rich and fulfilling. Giving often does more for us than it does those we give to. So if you want to be truly rich, give some stuff away. Yeah, here's my question for you all. Uh, Is there anything that's irritated you lately that probably is a little bit silly? I thought that'd be a funny question. Or uh, is there something that you've given away recently uh, that you felt like you you needed to let go and part with? I'll let you, it's a choice, choice around. A choice around, (laughs) okay. well, if you follow me on Facebook, then you definitely know I've been irritated with internet a hundred percent lately. Uh, since this uh, social distance learning thing, God bless our teachers, but yeah. my goodness, Shout out. at home it's terrible. <laughs> uh, it was just like, um, well, we have six of us total that are on distant learning right now. Um, I went back to school, and then my high schoolers and my elementary schoolers. So, uh, it, I what frustrated me the most, I think, was that. I was anticipating, I was planning that it was going to be an issue, so I had Comcast come out, and they told me everything was going to be fine, and then Monday morning hit, actually Tuesday morning yeah. hit, and and it wasn't fine. It was not fine. It was not fine. Mm. So, yeah, that bothered me. Yeah. And you're like, I could see the frustrations, like, we need this, this is an essential service, but also, like... 20 years ago, internet didn't exist. Right. You know yeah. I mean? like, well, and <laughs> also, because, this is total side note, but we didn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. In March... We didn't have Wi-Fi because we were putting our money in other things and all of us have uh, iPhones and, you know, whatever. That's how rich we are. Uh, But anyway, so I I did without it because we didn't need it. Now, you know, $150 later, (laughs) I didn't have that bill until March. I feel you on that. Matt, you got anything? Yeah. um, What? You know, I really racked my brain for this one. I get irritated all the time about dumb stuff. (laughs) 
You know, like That's irritation true. is my. So the way that we That's enact my secret, our captain. <laughs> I'm like always irritated. I'm always irritated. Something's <laughs> always irritating me. Uh, Julianne and I express our irritation really differently. I like get loud and scream and yell and throw something, or sh- but she she smashes stuff. She'll be like it'll just like a sandwich, just smash like, but like completely silently. So she doesn't get irritated nearly as often as I do. But uh, yeah, so I'm always irritated about something. <laughs> I can't even pick one. Um, and that's why I use that attitude of gratitude language because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should be grateful for how well things are going. Yeah. Uh, but instead, I just think things to be irritated with. Here's how petty mine is, is that um, I switched over to drinking Coke Zero, which yeah. is good. I enjoy it. I pulled out a can the other day and it was squishy. And I was like, what? Why is the can? It wasn't open. It was squishy. And I was like, is there no bubbles in this? And then I I opened it and I was like, it didn't make the sound, you know? And I was like, should I taste it? There was, I did taste it. (laughs) Was it ice or it exploded? No, there was no holes in it. It just didn't have any bubbles. And I was like, I want my bubbles. They owe me 35 <laughs> cents. I was getting ready to write a strongly worded email. I was like, who cares? That's, <laughs> why am I so mad about this? But that was one I got petty about uh, that, that felt like I shouldn't be, you know, that yeah. I was kind of mad about. It's like, my drinks are not fizzy enough. I felt like yeah. a 14th century king or something, you know. Or the way we talk to Alexa sometimes, you know, I'm like... Alexa, yeah, do stuff for me. I know. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I yell at Google and Alexa like, shut yeah. up. Or when Alexa I would never doesn't talk to listen, human the way that I talk, I'm to like Alexa, robots. turn the lights off in my garage, and she's like, I don't understand, and I'm like, oh, I paid so I much. Said, and and then I kind of feel bad because I'm like. Um, okay, when the robots take over, they're going to remember this. Oh, I say thank you to my robots, but... <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, I'm sorry, Alyssa. I shouldn't have been so... Uh, Mine but was oh, Siri. Mine was Siri. Oh, yeah. like, so I've lived the in Orville my entire oh. life. She doesn't know how to say Orville. She doesn't know how to say... And she, she doesn't know how to spell it. I'm like, Orville. Siri, I live in Orville. I've lived here my whole life. It is spelled... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like I'm like, like Apple, can you track my data as well bit. as Google? Because Google can get it and you can't. You can't say so. Just get my I data. can't be like Orville. Find Papa Murphy's in Orville. And she's like, Orville, Ohio. You're like, no, no. So I have to be like, uh, call the Papa Murphy's near me. <laughs> and she's like, I found fifteen hundred. Oh, Murphy's. my goodness. Uh, but one other thing I was just going to mention real quickly is like. Over the past year or two, there's been kind of a rise in, uh, they even have a name now, Karen. Oh, yeah. Right? And it just reminds me of this, of just like, uh, there's like an underlying just like anger that, man, when somebody screws up my order, or there's a, uh, like, I want to talk to your manager, like that kind of whole attitude that... um, and it's not just women, yeah. but that's what right. it's got to become in the I'm meme saying on it's the in internet. Me. Yeah, it's, I it's it. in all of us that are like, I want to talk to your manager, kind of yeah. attitude. Yeah. And um, yeah. uh, and what I've noticed too with people that are working uh, minimal wage jobs, I'm just like, I'm not gonna take it out on them, man. They're working as hard as they can. Yeah. Like they they messed up our sandwich order at Starbucks the other day, and I had to take it to Julianne. She's like, This is what I ordered. I went back down to Starbucks, and I was like, getting ready to like, I want to talk to your manager to this girl, and I'm like. It's packed in here. Like she's working as hard as she can. Like whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's easy to not do that yeah. too. Of just being Absolutely. like, Argh. I want to find 
the lowest person at the Coke factory and yell at them about yeah. my bubbles. Who's in charge of bubbles? <laughs> Last way to be truly rich, after we just dialogued for a long time about how shallow I am. Uh, Last way to be truly rich uh, from this passage. It's all good. We need to budget generosity. Paul says, command them, those who have resources, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, right? This is the idea. You want true life. Paul's talking to us about how we need to manage our finances. And one of the ways he wants us to do it in this passage is a future orientation, a future posturing, but also a future preparedness. We need to be willing to share. I think we need to be future oriented when we think about our finances. Uh, and one of the things I know for sure is that we're not going to be generous on accident. That's just one of the things. I mean, sometimes we will be. Sometimes you'll get your heart strings tugged on. You might give. But by and large, the generosity that we're being called to is not going to happen on accident. Uh, oftentimes we think, if I had more, I would give more. And this, the studies pan out. That's not true. And without a plan, without you designating a certain part of your income away, without knowing about your finances and having budget documents and, and making a plan about your generosity, it's not going to be true. It's not true that if you have more, you'll give more. It's those who are prepared, those who are intentional, those who plan their generosity. Those are the people who are able to give more. This is a pastor, Mark Batterson in the D.C. area. Uh, he has a saying here that I appreciate. Don't let what you don't have keep you from giving what you do have. And sometimes we are future oriented in a negative way. Well, I don't have enough, but when I do have more, I'll try to be more generous. And, and, and there's a way in which Paul's talking to us right now to be intentional, to have a plan, to budget our generosity, our, our benevolence, the way that we're helping out. Last question for us, and we're wrapping up. Do you mind sharing some of your, not all of it, but some of the ways you plan giving? You, you have you've budgeted, you, you have a reoccurring giving. Go for it. You, me, me, you. Um, so I, I'm willing to share uh, our our kind of spiritual disciplines. We, uh, Julianne and I both uh, give 10%. Oh, well, we combine our income. But we give 10% of our income to the Table Church. Um, we believe in the ministries here. We believe in the good work that um, our on-staff pastors do. And we want to support the ministry and pay the, pay the rent. And we want to uh, support that. The reason that we tithe 10% of our income is, you know, I think it is Old Testament law, and it's not necessarily law anymore, but I think it's a great guideline of just like 10%, it's like, you know, a tenth of my money, the tithe, um, and I, but if, you know, like Rick Warren, a famous pastor, a really, really rich dude, he's a reverse tither. He gives away 90% of his money and keeps 10%. So I don't think that that 10% is flat rate for everybody, but I think it's a good baseline and a good guideline for um, people to just kind of support uh, their local ministry in, in their church. And then we also sponsor a kid through... Uh, International Child Care Ministry, ICCM, which is a free Methodist uh, uh, ministry. In fact, now um, uh, our our first women woman bishop in the history for Methodism. She's currently a bishop in America now, and she was the president uh, or CEO, whatever you call it, of ICCM, and she really did a lot for that ministry. So we love supporting that ministry and our kid. Um, and I'm not going to forget what country uh, they're from, but um, uh, yeah, we get updates, and so it's great to to. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Appreciate that. 
Yeah, um, I'm going to go a little bit different route, and so I hope you don't, you're not mad at me for this, but um, we went through a season of life where um, I don't want to say money wasn't wasn't an issue, but um, we, we, we gave, and we gave to a lot of things. We had children that were um, not through ICCM, but we gave through World Vision. We had, I think, like yeah. three at one point, um, and we were tithing, and we were doing all of these things. But just kind of like I share in the beginning, um, you know, tithing is a way that we put God first in our finances, but it's also something that need that should be intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that season of time, I was being very unintentional. So I was doing these things because they were good and I was kind of encouraged to do them. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't, yeah. but for us, uh, you know, I went through that season of life and when I kind of came, I didn't, didn't come out of that season of life, but my eyes were open to another thing. Yeah. Um, and that was my time. Uh, yeah. And so for me, this last couple of years has really been a season of giving my time to things in yeah. different ways yeah. um, and being really intentional. So for me, the way that I give my time uh, is a solely, almost solely focused on children and youth in yeah, our community. Uh, so for me, um, I don't work Wednesdays ever uh, because I partner with uh, Scott over at FCC and I uh, do youth ministry over there. That's something really on my heart and I'm really intentional about that. Um, And then uh, Friday mornings, um, I help out at the Axiom and I help with with the coffee delivery. Mm. Um, And so there's just a couple of things, but you had said this earlier about, you know, what do we we have to give? Sometimes it isn't money, but we all have 24 hours in a day. And for me, um, it has made such a, a m- more of a difference in how I spend my time than where I spend my money. Not that that's not yeah. important, but for no, me, uh, and it will come back around, uh, and, and hopefully it'll all be aligned yeah. <laughs> at some point. But for me right now, um, it's definitely about uh, managing my time that's great. better and where Sometimes I get my time. Sometimes even, it's even harder for people to give time than money. They say, uh, yeah. Our culture, uh, our, our most prized resources, our time right now, instead of our finances, that it's a shift from even 20, 30, 40 years ago. So, so that's good absolutely. practice to even tithe your time, too. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, and I just, I don't know why I feel compared to share this, share this, but I just went through a season of life where it was like there was these, these like head people. I don't even know because they were like ghosts to me. They gave, man, they gave like nobody could give, but we never, we never saw them. And so in like some of the organizations, especially here in our community, it's like we, we needed volunteers. We couldn't, we couldn't pull volunteers from anywhere to, to, to run some of these things. Youth sports for one, for, for instance, you know, but we had people given that wasn't the issue, but it was the time. And I, that really, like I said, tug at my heartstrings. And and so that's where I've been. Awesome. Uh, we also, Aaron and I, try to give 10% yearly to multiple organizations. We talked about that previously. Uh, we have so many different streams of income, so sometimes we give in larger chunks instead of uh, pretty regularly. But we give that too. Time as well. We try to tithe time as well. But we have missionaries, like I said, we support. Children we support. Organizations we support. The church, which we try to support. So, uh, yeah, do that's some of our planned giving. Uh, ultimately, the idea is uh, is being intentional, making a plan budgeting those types of things and so uh that's going to be that's going to lead to true wealth because uh you are 
going to be able to give more in the long run when you make a plan instead of just having someone tug at your heartstrings. You're going to feel less taken advantage of. This is going to be something you and Jesus talked about, and it's going to make you uh, move into that true life, as Paul talks about. It's going to help us to grab a hold of that true life that, that, that Jesus has for us. Let's sum this up, our three points, and move into a time of communion. Paul wants us three ways that we can become truly wealthy as followers of Jesus. One, learn to live in the gratitude, to be content with what we have, to celebrate and give thanks for the things that are currently uh, helping us out and uh, not always constantly needing more, right? The number is not more. We are learning to live into enough, enoughness. Uh, giving stuff away is vital to our uh, wealth, is vital to being a person who is rich. Jesus, uh, Paul tells us there to encourage people who have means to be people who give stuff away, to share, uh, to be generous. This is a way that we become rich. And lastly, we need to have an intentional plan about this. It's not something that we're going to accidentally do, but it is something that we can make a priority and give uh, a thought and intention to. And in doing so, we will be more effective over the course of our life, but also we will reap the benefits as one who is blessed in giving more so than receiving. Would you pray with me as we move into a time of communion? Father, again, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this encouragement. As I'm going through this, part of me feels that this is radical, this teaching, these ideas. And part of me feels like this is stuff that we already know, but we are battling such an uphill climb in our culture. It's hard to swim upstream in this way. So we are throwing ourselves at the feet of you, Jesus, asking that your Holy Spirit would help make this real in our life. Help us to experience enoughness. Help us to experience gratitude. Help us to be people who are radically, radically generous and on purpose. And as you continue to grow us, we will be sure to give you all praise, glory, and thanks for the ways that you're working in our life. We want to be, I think almost everybody wants to be a generous person. Would you help us to do so in your name, for your glory, by your power? Father, now as we move into a time of communion, we are remembered of the embarrassment of riches that you have laid upon us, most importantly, through sacrificing of your own life on the cross. As we come now, to gather around the cup and the bread to remember your sacrifice, how you were wealthy by living in heaven that you stepped down off of your throne to enter into our world to give yourself for us so that we may be truly wealthy. Would this time be a reminder? Would it be a, a moment of connection? Would it be a place where we meet you? Lord, we come with expectant hearts to meet you, to see you, to hear from you. Would you, Table Church, pray with me the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us.